Hello, and welcome to a steely episode of the Drywall Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Harmon. With us today, John Galtiero of Creative Wall Finishes out of Montrose, Colorado. I first met John a couple of years ago when he called about color matching a beautiful dark color for Fresco Harmony, which has quickly become one of our most purchased custom colors. We talk about Fresco Harmony and a lot about plaster. It's so like if you if you were to do like a how would I say this? If you were to do like a textured plaster surface and turn around and squirt regular water into that and it would catch all the cat faces, there's always that chance of you getting like milk in the cat faces and being lighter from when you're spraying the bottle with okay. The with the with the with the clear water, just water. Now okay. me, I've always I've always kicked it up. I'm always like a math professor. I try to mess with sure. Stuff. Ninety ninety percent of the time, my stuff doesn't work, but ten percent of the time it does. And okay. I like to put the pigment that I use to mix the color in the plaster. I will take that out of the bucket that I mix the color in the colorant with the water and I put it in the squirt bottle and I use that and I can make all sorts oh. of modeling. Now I haven't done that yet with yours. With yeah, that would work. To, and I'm getting ready to, to see if I could do the same process with just using, getting one of your fresco bottles, put no drywall mud in it. Right. In a five gallon bucket of water, putting this, putting that in there, putting the squirt bottle in there. And squirting it on the wall and doing the same process as I do with plaster to do it yeah. with Fresco. Just to, to see if it works. I'll bet you it would. I'll bet you it would because that, that your color, your pure color, and the colors are water-based, so they're gonna they're gonna work well with water. Your color is going to have be richer when you right. like you, you sort yeah. of squirt it and then trowel it off. Yep. Neat. Take that would be a I haven't done that myself. That would be a cool experiment. We get deep into the weeds with plaster versus fresco harmony, and I really appreciate John's plaster knowledge, and I know you will too. The month of August on the Drywall Podcast was brought to you by the Drywall Supply Yard in Montrose, Colorado, if you're interested in sponsoring a month of the drywall podcast feel free to email me directly at info at frescoharmony.com to discuss the drywall podcast was also brought to you by fresco harmony making walls better since 2004 new episodes of the drywall podcast can be listened to every friday on your favorite platform such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also YouTube. But for now, John Galtiero of the famous Galtiero Steel Color on the 63rd episode of the Drywall Podcast. Let's get into it. Hello. We got John Galtiero of Creative Wall Finishes out of Montrose, Colorado on the Drywall Podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You've been on the radar for a little while. Uh, we've known each other. Gosh, I was in Lake City, Colorado when you called. Um, 
why did you call again? You had a big uh, job or I, I forget. I had, a, I had a big job and uh, I didn't want to. It was just one person and I'm used to running in, you know, diamond interior finish and stuff like that. And I, I kept seeing your stuff on YouTube and I was like, man, I'd really like to see this stuff. I mean, one person can run it. This is pretty efficient uh, and it can be productive. And I was like, man, and I'm getting a little bit older. So this is probably right up my alley. So that's why right. I called you up. And I was like, man, I want to check this stuff out. That's interesting because uh, a lot of plaster guys are real sort of, you know, you do plaster, you're proud of the plaster. It's like all you want to do. And sometimes we'll get maybe, you know, the plaster guys kind of looking down their nose at a color joint compound system because it's not... Uh, you know, it's not traditional Venetian, you know, right. all of that stuff. Um, walk me through your background real quick in Venetian plaster, because you're a drywall finisher, right? I'm a drywall finisher that started out, actually, I'm a drywall finisher that started out doing stucco, uh, doing EFIS, and then turned okay. around and got into with a, a bunch of guys that did interior plaster and started doing interior plaster. So, and then like all the other finishes came later, the Venetian and stuff like that. But it was mostly, it was mostly diamond. And when I first started, it was a, a base coat finish. Um, okay. It, was, it wasn't a veneer. It was a base coat finish. It was two coats over a base coat and, you know, Let, then they split with over. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um Veneer base coat finish. Uh, walk me through the prep involved in this type of plaster that you were doing. Um, you are you prepping regular drywall or are you using a special board? Uh, well, it it was right back. I think when I started, I started like out in '92, and I got here up in Colorado and started in '93. And those guys were using uh, just regular old. Uh, I, I think blue board was just catching on the blue board okay. was catching on and they were doing um, back then they were doing the mesh with the base coat and they would go through and they do all that stuff. Then they would put two coats of diamond over the top. Okay. And turn around. And then after they were done, they would Oak on it and stuff like that. They'd integrate the color in the, in the plaster kind of almost just like the fresco, but just in a, a you know, uh, almost actually the same process, just a little bit different. They would yeah. actually put the water in a five-gallon bucket with whatever it takes to make a five-gallon deal of pigment, and they would put it in the water, okay. and then they would make it where you can mix any amount at any given time instead of using, okay, this is what we need for a half a bucket, or this is what we need for a full bucket. So okay. that's how stuff started out. So, but And yeah. that's half bucket versus full bucket because of the setting time. You have a certain amount of time to work with the medium before it goes off. Correct. And when you, I mean, you could put, you could, you like, you could, if you have small sets, you could do accelerators and stuff like that, retarders and stuff. But I never really got into that stuff. We just had enough people to run the, the big runs, but you would have to have a, a large amount of people to do like a big, huge run. If you had like a, a 20 sheet ceiling lid, you would have to have anywhere from four to six guys to run that thing, you know? Why, so it why is, why is that? Um, it's because the way, so you first coat it and by the time it starts setting up again, 
you have to have the ability to keep running that wet edge all the way through to the end of the ceiling and then fall back and have enough guys to second coat and then turn around and water trowel, then soft trowel, then hard trowel. So if you had a 20 sheet lid and you had something that went off in 45 minutes, you would lose the ceiling if you didn't have enough people. So that's, that's what would happen. And yep. then you still have, it's pretty laborious. I would, I would assume the blue board versus regular drywall. Isn't there kind of a, a difference there with uh, labor intensive, intensive yeah, and, and yeah. also co cost, right? Cost. So what I found out too, even before I started, they used to hang the sheetrock reverse. They used to brown board it. They would actually turn, flip okay. the sheetrock around and they cool. would brown board it, but that was like ways before I even came in. I'm I'm hearing that was like in the seventies and eighties and stuff like they were doing stuff like that. Why and, would uh, they why would they flip the board? Uh so I, I think it has something to do with like the pores and the 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 the, the brown paper in the back would suck up and adhere to the plaster a lot a lot better than the white paper. And there was no recess on the back. So Oh yeah, there was no recess on the back. So they would just mesh it and they would bond it and they would turn around and they would they'd run their, their plaster over the top of it. So yeah, that's how that stuff would work. But uh, I, as time went on, then they did the, the taping in one coating uh, over regular, you know, regular type X or ceiling board or anything, the ultralight, you could do that over that. And they would tape and one coat it and turn around and, you know, they'd bond it. And some places would want you bond and prime to shut down the substrate so you wouldn't get any flashing. Okay. Um, I think that's why the, the the Fresco Harmony is such a good product is because you when you put the drywall mud over the whole thing of the sheetrock, there's no flashing. And I think the flashing right. comes from when something dries quick and it just, it, you see the bands, you can see the butts, things like that. So I think when, like when someone skims it with regular drywall mud, you don't get flashing. It's interesting. The, the substrate, the substrate is sealed. It's done. And I think that's why the fresco comes in so handy when it comes Weird. to that stuff. It is. I weird. have to, I have to say that's like a happy accident because that was not my intention. We were, you know, full coating, like in, in crested butte, Colorado, we were doing okay. the base coat texture with a pool trowel over the whole surface. And that was a good finish because you didn't really have to finish the, drywall you know level two or three maybe light oh, sand man. and then your angles just tape and then because you, you're pulling out a full coat you know mm -hmm. if you finish your angles properly um that's interesting very cool mm -hmm. very cool yeah. so you were sort of you were seeing like the advantages from a plaster standpoint of the fresco harmony provided it's strong and and granted it's not as strong as a Venetian plaster finish, but there's also advantages to the malleability. I feel like of the mud because you're not battling like taking the tape off, and um, that's correct. That's hairline correct. cracks, like things yep. like that, patchability stuff like that. And I, I think harder, harder the material, and uh, harder the material. I think it's you have a chance of when it's that thin, a harder material, it's going to crack. You always have that, and you have that. With drywall mud, it's so porous, and the plaster is so dense, you know, and that's what happens. You get cracks in a plaster, 
And then you got to turn around either you got to, you have to cut it out, you know, skim it, tape it, faux paint it, or you rebun the whole wall. Okay. So this, the things with the fresco is like, you're way ahead of the game. You could, you could patch with this stuff. You can't patch, you can't patch plaster. The only way you can patch it is taping it, you know, and then putting, you know, coating it and then turn around and putting up and faux paint it, unless you're going to rerun the whole wall. That's and the- just to be clear for our listening audience, there is, um, you know, with any multicolored surface, there's challenges with patching. Cause I've also come into situations where the patch will flash a little bit and you have to sort of faux out the edge with, with a match paint, mm-hmm. um, you know, in with darker colors, with lighter colors, they seem to, to, to patch fairly well. And you can like blend mm-hmm. the edge with just your sanding off the all purpose mud, like with mm-hmm. your hand and just mm-hmm. kind of blending that way. Lighter colors, I feel like patch really well. And then if you have to reskim wall to wall, it's mm-hmm. not as big a deal because your all purpose mud keeps in a bucket. You can bust out or mix another batch. Yeah. Whatever it's 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever, you know, it's not, not as big a deal. Um, that all kind of came later, all of those like, and also color consistency as well. So I know getting color consistency with plaster is also cha- can be challenging, right? It can be. Uh, a lot of people used to take it straight out of the, you know, they used to mix their colors and at, right out of a carousel, you know, a paint okay. carousel. And you right. Shoot it right. Just like paint into the plaster. And I, I, I always felt like that was never efficient because you would have to, like I said, you would have to mix a certain amount, like half. This is what it takes to make half if you use that color. This is what it takes to make a full bucket. So you, by by putting the water into a bucket, a five-gallon bucket, and then putting the pigment in there, and then turn it around and mix and boxing it, and then turn it around, you can mix eighth of a bucket, you can mix a quarter of a bucket, you mix a half a bucket, you can mix three quarters of a bucket, and it's all the same color. So that's the, the cool thing about doing it that way. The other okay. thing is, is when you do do it that way is what you're, what you're doing with, with the fresco, you, you really, it's really hard to get a color very dark with diamond, with interior plaster. And because you'll get a lot of flashing, you'll get a lot of like, okay, this is way dark over here. This is monotone over here. This is light over here. Okay. And it just doesn't all it doesn't all fudge together quite well when you get a real dark color and you have to put that amount of pigment into a water bucket to make your plaster. Okay, so you came to me though and uh, oddly enough Galtiero steel, which is your color that uh was created a while ago. I think maybe you sent me a color swatch you were like, "Hey mm-hmm. man, can you get a really dark black?" Your color was the first color that I mixed that required what we have now is a double color pack. So the Galtiero steel is a double color pack. I think it retails for uh, 42 or something, you know, it's like twice the amount of a regular color pack, but you're taking that much more color and mixing it with a bucket. And now we have several double Mm -hmm. color packs and even a, a, you know, two or three triple color packs. Mm -hmm. They're like a quart of color. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. that was the tricky thing with, uh, and when I asked you that, because a lot of times everybody's going for this uh, industrial, rustic, modern look, 
and they're wanting dark, dark plaster. And really the only way that Yusuf was able to get that plaster, that color was through like Venetian, you know, was the actual yeah. Venetian Venetian. And for yeah. someone to say, hey, I want this with diamond or I want this with like fresco, I couldn't even fathom like putting pigment into a, into a bucket of mud and saying, hey, I'm going to get this dark of a color consistency all the way through because you cannot, it's hard to get uh, that dark of a color, like in regular diamond or anything oh. like that. Very, it's hard. You almost have to wash the wall. You have to actually, when you're putting it on, you have the actual pigment that you made the, the plaster with and you're spraying it into the wall. So it's very hard to get that color. Like you got with Galtario steel to, be in the interior plaster uh, interesting uh, yeah because i've awesome. seen like uh, with and one limitation to frescoes i mean really rich fire engine reds and like cobalt blues like those mm -hmm. like i've seen some gorgeous venetian plasters with this like rich cobalt blues or purple that's kind of challenging to get with fresco harmony I, mm -hmm. you know just to be honest um, we do have the midnight Dave now black. I feel like we've, we've sort of, uh, achieved with the midnight yes. Dave. That's like a, that's like a step richer than Galtier. I didn't think I could go that dark, you know, cause at a certain point your mud just gets saturated with the color and it start it stops like continuing to get richer. You know, mm -hmm. you just have, it's too much yeah. color and it kind of, uh. I feel like it, it, messes up maybe the chemical makeup of the joint compound the joint compound starts to react a little weird but i haven't had any like adhesion issues even with the triple color packs you know or uh you know bonding issues or anything like that so you're saying that adhesion compared to like it being so got so much pigment in it it would be hard for it to adhere to like a drywall or a painted surface Sure, sure. Or it messes up like the chemical makeup. But no, right. I remember I remember what I was going to say. The water, I've had people ask me like, oh, well, if I put more water in, because on the second coat, I tell people, we'll thin down your mud for the second coat. And it's sort of mm -hmm. easier to put on. It goes farther. Mm -hmm. um, you get more modeling. Um, people have asked me, well, doesn't that affect the color? Now, with plaster, is extra water going to affect the color? It's so like if you if you were to do like a how would I say this if you were to do like a textured plaster surface and turn around and squirt regular water into that and it would catch all the cat faces there's always that chance of you getting like milk in the cat faces and being lighter from when you're spraying the bottle with okay. the with the with the with the clear water just water now okay. me i've always i've always kicked it up i'm always like a math professor i try to mess with sure stuff. 90 90 of the time my stuff doesn't work but 10 percent of the time it does and okay. i like to put the pigment that i use to mix the color in the plaster i will take that out of the bucket that i mix the color in the colorant with the water and I put it in the squirt bottle and I use that and I can make all sorts oh. of modeling. Now I haven't done that yet with yours. With yeah, that would work. To, and I'm getting ready to, to see if I could do the same process with just using, getting one of your fresco bottles, put no drywall mud in it, 
Right. Putting a five gallon bucket of water, putting this, putting that in there, putting the squirt bottle in there and squirting it on the wall and doing the same process as I do with Interesting. plaster to do it yeah. with Presto, just to, to see if it works. I'll bet you it would. I'll bet you it would because that, that your color, your pure color and the colors are water-based. So they're going to, they're going to work well with water. Your color is going to have be richer when you Correct. like you, you sort of yeah. squirt it and then trial it off. Yep. Neat. Thank that would every- be a cool, I haven't done that myself. That would be a cool experiment. Now I've done, um, I have, I've been watching you guys now on some of them, but I, what I've been doing is I've been using two colors at a time Okay. and not waiting until, um, till the first coat fully dries. Okay. And I will go in with a second color. So what I did yeah. one on one of my walls, I did Martina Storm on the back. Okay. On the first coat. And then I turned around and I did Galtrio Steel on the second coat with a hand texture. Let it set up a little bit. Then I turned around and I swirled all that in and knocked it down. And I meshed them both together. And so I have a high and a low with yeah. the Martina in the back and the Galtrio in the front. Now so I t- I'll, I'll tell people when they do when they want to do multicolor to do the dark color underneath because then that pushes through the lighter color over yep. the top. Yep. So my recommendation is always well do a lighter color like do the Martinez over the Galtiero because you're going to get those lines. Yep. And I've veins. always, and I've always we've always done that too for like uh, we've done because we used to do that too with uh, interior plaster. We would actually do a one one coat of one color and then turn around and put a hand texture over the top with a different color and then hand texture it and then turn around and get the same color from the first coat in the squirt bottle and then put it on the second color coat while we're knocking it down. So you could always mess with that stuff. And it's, sure. it's, it's crazy. It's, it's really never ending. It's, yeah. It's going on. So, but yeah, yeah, you get into etching and stenciling mm-hmm. and I mean, all, all the cool stuff they're doing with Venetian plaster stenciling, you can do all that with joint compound as well. And you get, yep. you can get the multi surfaces and colors and all of that. I try to keep it simple, um, but staying in the same vein of, uh, of, of color talking about color and just, just sort of keeping it simple, you know, when the, a lot of people ask too, well, can you do like half a bottle, (laughs) you know? And I'm always like, well, no, not really because you want that color consistency, but what you're doing is completely different. Now, what I would caution is if you're mixing the color in with a half of, I would even say like a gallon, you could do like a gallon of water and Mm -hmm. do half, because the, the ratio, I guess, wouldn't matter at that point, but you want to make sure that your color, like almost like they call it a slurry, like when mm-hmm. you you would mix all of that color into water, rinse out the bottle really good, so you have c- color consistency yep. in your water when you mix it. Like, okay, I'm going to do two gallons of water per one color pack. Make mm-hmm. sure that make sure your color consistency is there with your water, so that you could duplicate that on a large surface. It's all about mm-hmm. color consistency. Um, that was one thing that that came about very quickly. Hence the color pack. You know, mm-hmm. and so if you're listening, if you're mixing the color pack in with a, a box of mud, you always use the full color pack and people will, will say, oh, well, isn't that wasteful? It's like, yeah, but it's still only 35, 40 bucks for a box, a bucket of mud, a box of mud, 
and the color pack versus, yeah. you know, whatever with plaster, you know, whatever, whatever you're paying, whatever's happening there. Yeah. And the, well, and the cool thing with plaster is once you mix it, you have to use it. You can't, right. you can't put a, you can't put a lid on it and say, Hey, I'm going to save this away for six months and turn around and like, Oh, right. look, I'm going to reuse it. Or, uh, the kids come over, the grandkids yeah. come over, put a ding in the wall. You're, you're calling somebody on the phone and going, Hey, uh, do you know how to patch plaster? Are you, have you ever done it? Have you ever, I, I need, I need it patched. I heard they faux paint it, you know? And yeah. then you're talking, you're, you're talking hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars yeah. to do walls in interior plaster. So yeah, I think, I think with the fresco, you know, and my thing is too, is what I'm going to, I was going to talk to you about is, um, yeah, I have a lot of people hit me up to do uh, patches on plaster and stuff. Right. And I was going to do a first because you, you use drywall mud anyway. Yeah. When you patch plaster. Yep. I was going to take that color of the plaster, hit you up and say, hey, yes. I need this color. So when I go to do my base coat, I don't have to do that much faux painting. So, yes. yeah. And it's because that fresco you that fresco when it's put in the mud and then you put it to a wall that's plastered it almost looks the same i mean yes there's not much difference the only difference is the the modeling which the modeling comes from plaster is marble dust you know a lot of people think it's the uh, okay mine, but interesting the marble dust, it's the it's the, the marble dust and it's the the colorant that you put in there because if you do regular white plaster with no pigment in it and you go to hard trowel it you're going to, and you hard trial it good, you're going to get a gray to a bluish uh, color if you hard trial your white plaster hard. So, yeah, so you could, you could actually get that color and then turn around, get the fresco, use it for a patch on some, for your base coat, for, for faux painting on your plaster. Absolutely. And around, yeah. And they can, and then, so it's saving them, they could actually do that. As yes. they call somebody up and say, "Hey, I need a faux painter." They could actually choose fresco over their plaster. And yeah, and for- and oh. uh, I'll take it a step further. Like I have done that, and it's Dyrene Candy and it's Westbrook Tan. Those two Westbrook Tan was actually fashioned. That color was fashioned after a like a plaster wall mm-hmm. here here in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, they they wanted that plaster look, and I've used those two colors, Dyrene Candy. It's a light pink. And it's kind of like a salmon. And then Mm -hmm. like uh, the Westbrook tan is a very tannish, light, light, uh, like, like kind of like a kind of yellowish a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you kind of get that, uh, you know, they call it red top or whatever, which you can't, Mm -hmm. the the color, they get it from a different quarry. The color doesn't match now, or they don't offer it anymore. They've discontinued the color. It's like a nightmare. I have people coming to me asking for plaster patches and I jack up the price. It's like, okay. Yeah. And I just use, I use the match paint of, of Westbrook tan and Dyrene candy. I use those two muds to patch it. I use Uh the faux finishing and then I use like the gloss sealer to get, to pull that sheen out to try to match. Oh, you use the sealer. I use this. I use the sealer as well to get that sheen, you know, and you can kind of steel trial that and burnish it up a little bit. Um, but if you're quasi artistic, you know, and you have a good eye and you faux finished a little bit, you can definitely use fresco harmony to patch plaster. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which is what we're talking about. I was sitting there one day and I'm like, man, 
I bet you Nick can match this and just I could I could actually use this as a base coat. Then I won't have to faux faux paint that much. Correct. So, I mean, yeah, and that's and that's the thing because faux painting could at the end of a job on a plaster job, after everybody's gone in there because you know and a lot of people don't know this but uh, pretty interior plaster guys are really second from the last people that go into a job okay. if it's done correctly. We we need our cabinets in. We need the base in. We need okay. the case in. You know, unless it's curve, if it's curve, you know, all that curve and there's, sure. there's no 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 base. You know, they put L metal on the bottom and stuff like that, you know, right. a, lot of, a lot of people are going to that, but I haven't seen, and I would like to do, I've done a couple of plaster jobs like that where there's no trim in the whole house. None. Okay. Um, the only thing that I, I would want to do is maybe like do that around square curve around doors on interior doors and see if I can get away with it. And what I was thinking was almost using a base as with like some – now, this is crazy. This might sound crazy, but get some 90-minute. Sure. Get some 90-minute and turn around and put the fresco in the 90-minute, you know, mix mix it up with the sure. water. Yep. And then try it and put that on as, as your kerf so you have really, really durable corners. And then turn around and put a second coat over the top of it with regular drywall mud. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things I would like to try with it that I haven't tried yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, like it could happen. I feel like that's weight, just like with Venetian plaster. So if you're if you're weighing out your quick set, you know, like okay, I've got however many pounds of quick set powder in the bucket, then you know, or a gallon of you know quick set, you can dump that in, but as long as it's measured and you use, you know, the same amount of color pack, Correct. you're going to get, you're going to get that color with the quick set. I, I tell people real, you know, we're talking sort of advanced, you know, fresco harmony or whatever, but like, yeah. you know, if, if now you're back to a plaster type finish Correct. when you're using, because now you're measuring and you're getting color and consistency and things Correct. like that. I've always just kind of like, my shtick has been like affordability and speed. Like, let's do the whole house. Let's do the whole room. You Correct. know, why, why do an accent wall when you can like skim out the room three times in three days, you know, yeah. gravy, yeah. you know, and you're charging a cheaper amount and with the prices of paint, it's like, well, just do, just, just do fresco harmony. We'll skim out these walls. You know, there are texture paint. doesn't matter. We don't have to prime it or we don't have to, you know, skim it out, which we you would need to do anyways with joint compound, like put the color in the joint compound, make it look like plaster, client's happy, you're making extra money, I'm selling product, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I always, when I go in, I always tell them guys, even when I'm, even when I was doing old, uh, before I, I quit and I went back into doing this stuff from when I left Vegas. So I was in Vegas for 10 years. I was out in Colorado for 20 and I had my own business for about 12 or 13 years. I yes. would go up to a client and say, okay, I'm going to do interior plaster. I'm going to do these ceilings. I'm going to do these walls for the same price, but that's an accent wall. Right. So I would do that. And then they would like, Hey man, can you do the fireplace? Right. Said, yeah. I'll do the fireplace for nothing. And it'll save you $4,000 from not doing the stonework on it. And they're like, Oh, Let's do it, you know? Right. So I would do that, and then it just – it multiplied by then. And then by the time that was going on, I was like, hey, let's take – I'll take the painting money. I take the texture money off of – Right. Off the job. 
all you all you're out is the base case to paint the base case and the doors, and right. you can pretty much do that yourself. And you have plaster. Yeah. But now with this fresco, this is this fresco is a whole different ball game because you're actually even doing the job faster with fresco than you would with interior. When, see, interior plaster, people don't they they freak when they hear the time frame. You're like, what? How right. long does that take? Right. But with fresco, it's just like if you were hand texturing. You know, doing double hand texture in a house. So yeah, I just did. We just did a project for a builder. We did the entire living room, master bedroom, hallway, kitchen, all the common areas. It was probably twelve k, right around there, maybe maybe fifteen k. We did the plaster in three weeks, and that was on the long end. <laughs> like you know, yeah. my guys working six hour days. All we're doing is going over the level two, uh, you know, tape and two coat, no sand drywall with the fresco system. Yep. She, uh, the builder, was saving on you know that amount of work, and then they did traditional Venetian plaster on two fireplaces. That plaster guy was there for three months. No yes. joke on the two fireplaces. Yep. And we did we did probably 40 times as much fresco well, harmony in a fraction of the time. And, and and you're going to that. And the problem with that is too is if you do true Venetian plaster, you have to do a level five. People don't okay. understand that. You have to right. do a, you have to get to a level five even before you apply your three to five coats. Why is um, that? Venetian. Um, because Venetian is such a you don't like the second cone of fres fresco? Yeah. When you put the second coat of fresco on. Yeah. Every coat of Venetian is trying to add depth. Hence the walls yeah. in Venice are 18 inches thick because of the canals. And true Venetian plaster is trying to add depth. That's what you're okay. trying to add. Yeah. So that's what you're trying to do is add depth with the modeling yes. when you're doing from i know people that put three coats on which you shouldn't you can get away with it but they do recommend anywhere from four to five but you oh, can wow. do three yeah okay but it has to be a level surface because you're you're pulling something out of a can that's only a gallon can that that can goes so far because it's put on so thin at a time each time okay each process. Right. but you're trying what you're trying to do is add depth is is what you're trying to do like the second coat of fresco you would have to do that like three to five times over a level five surface. right i think the depth too can come with the fresco harmony when you go to the colored sealer so then you're getting like these you know we offer four different colors of sealer yes. now now um, but that's just to make it efficient for the end user. You do a light color, you go over it with like the smoke sealer and you're creating like a transparent, translucent sort of, you know, surface very simply. Like yes. you can take it, take it from like, you know, cause the other sort of issue or, you know, people are like, well, there's not, there's not, it's, it's more mellow. Like Fresco Harmony is more mellow than Venetian plaster. And it is, um, you can create depth in different ways, I've found that the the chillness of Fresco Harmony is a selling point as well. It doesn't over. It's not well, overbearing. You hit the nail on the head because the, that's true. Because if you go to people that will look at like diamond interior and they go, "Oh, I don't like all the modeling. I don't like all that stuff." Uh, is there any way to tone it down? And and to tone down diamond diamond interior plaster is really hard to tone it down. 
Because okay. especially if you have a long run, you know, everybody's strokes are different. You get somebody in there doing different strokes and you're trying to do a monotone finish with, with diamond veneer. It's almost impossible. You can do it with the lighter colors, but when you get to the darker colors, it's almost impossible to do. It just so, has, and, and the similar to fresco, it just has its own look. People are like, Oh, well, can you get the shiny burnished plaster with fresco? And I'm like, no, it's, it's its own thing. You know, you can get what you get, you know, make a sample always. Mm -hmm. Um, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, I like it. And I like that your plaster background, we can, you know, get, get more in depth with colors and systems and things like that. Well, you, I was just for you to say that, to go on to that. Well, you were asking about, cause a lot of plasters, they don't like to talk about, Oh, I'm a plaster and you know, I'm not going to use this product. The problem with that is it's mostly usually, and I'm like, I mean, I'm older now, but I'm, I'm not as old as those old guys, but yeah, they're, they're stuck in their ways and they yeah. they don't want to evolve. They just, they, there's, there's a box. And they're going to stay in the box. They're not going to get outside the box. Sure. And I'm the younger generation that's like, hey, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's see if this works. Yeah. Those guys are like, no, nah, it's this or nothing. And I know a lot of guys that are diamond guys that don't like Venetian. And then I know Venetian guys that are painters that don't like diamond because they can't spread diamond. You know, sure. So, it's there's that hate and uh, discontent towards everybody. I could do this. You can't do that. And yeah. Like, and my thing is, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but I can do all those things. Sure. And if there's something that's easy and it could be done by actually like a homeowner and it's almost foolproof. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to use it? And I'm not trying to cut me out of not working or doing like coming in and, and doing stuff on their house when the, the house needs to be fixed or remodeled, these homeowners could actually do fresco. I yeah. mean, if you really, if you really want to, I mean, there's really no wrong way to do it. I, yes. I remember asking you like maybe two years ago, Hey, could I roll it this stuff on, on first coat? And you're like, yeah. Yeah. So I rolled it on. Yeah. And I, I put it on second coat and it's like, I just saved my, I just shaved, saved my shoulder. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a homeowner can do this stuff. I mean, it's it's a good product, man. I really like Thank it. Thank you. Thank and you. And if you see the background, I got Burns charcoal. So nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a, Burns charcoal is kind of a lighter bluer gray, very yeah. pretty. We've got like three bluish grays, and we have three gray grays. Uh, um, very cool conversation. Um, this is how the podcast sort of started: was talking to dudes like you or regular, you know, drywall guys that we would just sort of get in these long-winded conversations about texture. You know, if you're texturing a whole wall, well, why not dump a color pack in and try out some fresco or whatever, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's a cool conversation. And it's, uh, I was just talking with uh, Cam Brown, it's you man cam this morning about even on the influencer side, like doing fresco harmony adds in a whole new realm of, possibility for even like video content that's interesting you know versus just another you know uh review of the box or something like that you know it's it's kind of it's really good content you know if you're trying to bolster your you know your social media content or whatever um you know very cool but uh let's get into um how you got into the trade i mean are you first generation I'm uh, so I'm actually first generation. Well, 
it's it's either the four I got broken in by. What is it? Your your dad, your uncle, your brother in law, or your brother. <laughs> yeah. I, I got broken in by my brother in law. So I was in Las Vegas. Um, I well, was there's like, a there real quick. There's a fifth of like just the people that sort of are attracted to the mud, which I fall into that category. I'm first generation, and like. I just like the medium, which is kind of a weird one, but there's a lot of us out there that like just are drawn to drywall, you know, finishing. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, it was the, it, so I first saw it when I was a kid, I had one of the neighbors come with a, my brother's neighbor came over. He was a drywaller and I was like eight years old. And I was like, man, this is cool. You know, I've never yeah. seen anything like this. So when I met my brother-in-law, I was like 12 years old and it was in Las Vegas and yeah. I got to sand detail and mixed mud with a mixing paddle with a mix the mixer and i a weighed stomp, like a stomper the stomper this i weighed like <laughs> 75 pounds and i'm yeah you know, and all i did all day for these guys and they you know they beat they're running the bazooka through these big huge houses in vegas and stuff and okay. you know down there in spanish trails i mean i it started i it just had to be like 87 i think 86 87 and then uh when i hit 17 i was uh full time from my junior year to my senior year all through my senior year, I was full time and uh, turned around, uh, graduated out in Las Vegas, uh, turned around, moved out here in 93 to Montrose. And it, it, I started from there. I started doing I was doing drywall. Then I got into EFIS. And then from EFIS, I got into hard coat stucco. And then from hard coat stucco, I got into interior plaster. And then okay. after that, it's just been it's been going i've been going ever since so. and that was just huge out in vegas too right you were probably laying out a bunch of stucco and plaster so when i was back there so i went back for 10 years i was out here for 20 and i went back in 2013 and this is what i tell everybody about drywallers drywallers are res really resilient so i got into pools down there uh with the mud i mean if you know one mud you could always learn how to do another mud sure you know and that's what i always say and i started doing um pools i started doing pool decks with concrete overlay and then i got into into epoxies i got into stuff like that then i got into showers for concrete overlay which got me into tile because i was doing pools with the tile yeah. so with drywall if it's if you know it has to be straight level and you can read a tape measure and you could use mud there's really not anything that a drywaller can't do and i'm not saying sure. that in a bad way but I'm saying that to all the drywallers out there. Yeah. Like we're unique, you know. I yeah. know we got a bunch of memes and stuff on Instagram and and stuff like that. Like we're mess ups and yeah. deviants and all that stuff. But yeah, we, we are. It's okay. Special. It's okay, John. There's yeah. a lot of derelicts in this trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is. I mean, and I get it now. And I'm like, I watch YouTube and I got some of these these got these guys on there that's like, hey, this is how you do it. And I'll just turn around and I'll hit the like button. You know, just just to be nice sometimes. And I don't want to go ahead and say hey, you're doing it wrong. You know, everybody has a way to do it. But when these guys never learned from somebody or got broken by somebody, yeah. and then they turn around and tell a homeowner, hey, this is how you do it. And then they have guys like us go in there and they're like, you're charging me what to fix what? You know, and it's like, don't listen. Always don't listen to that YouTube certified stuff. You know, listen sure. to somebody that's trained, that learned through the ranks. They got yelled yeah. at, you know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. So it's one of those things. But yeah, it's, I mean, we're persistent, persistent people and do different things. And I think we're a, a good 
part of the trade of all the construction trades is drywallers, you know? So yeah. I yeah. Love it, yeah. It's pretty cool. So how did you, when was the point in time at which you branched out onto your own? Can we talk about that transition a little bit? So I was doing, yeah, I was, it had to be like 2005. I branched okay. out on my own. Um, I was running a, uh, I was pretty much like a, a supervisor for a stucco company and here in Montrose and Brent, I wanted to go back to doing drywall stuff. How'd you get to Montrose from Vegas? How did that happen? Uh, so my brother-in-law was born and raised out where actually was raised out in Montrose. Okay. I met my sister. And when I was 13, I came out here and visited and I was like, when I turn 18, I'm going to move out here. You know? So right, the day after my, I graduated high school, I came out here. I had my bags packed. My what'd bike. you like about what'd you like about Montrose? Um, man, it was it was different. It was so because Vegas is a weird, weird town. To most people, they love it. You know, they love it. I tried it again. I left when I was 18. I went back when I was like 37, 36. I went back and I okay. went for 10 years. The daughter okay. graduated from UNOV out there and went to school out there. Okay. And I decided to come back because I knew it wasn't for me. I knew it was like, hey, this is done. Uh, I need to go back home. I miss the small town stuff. Yeah. You know, I miss the mountains. I yep. want to go back. Home. And so that's the reason why I came back out here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, that's when 2005, when you first went to Montrose, that's kind of when you started your own gig? Well, I came out here in 93, okay. graduating high school. And then in 2005, I went and did my, I started my own gig and I started doing, you know, I actually started out doing drywall. I wasn't doing any stucco and everybody knew me from doing stucco. But I was actually I actually started out doing drywall. I got broken okay. first doing drywall. Then, you know, like I said, the EFIS came, you know, all that other stuff, the hard coat and the plaster. Sure. So I, I broke out on my own in two thousand five and then I ended it in out here like in two thousand thirteen I left, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. Then okay. started my business in Vegas for a little okay. bit. And then did pools and I did uh, a lot of custom stuff. I actually did because it was so hard to compete with drywallers and stucco guys out there. It was so hard. So that's right. When I got pools and I started doing all the, you know, the, the custom stuff. And I found out that's what I like to do more is the custom stuff. And that's why I like the fresco so much is because you could be so creative with it yeah. and do different things with it. So that's why yeah. I, I love it so much. So, but yeah, and that's how it started. And then now, uh, after two years not doing anything, I worked for somebody and then I turned around and said, Hey, I want to go back on my own. And I started back on my own again. So it's been, uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's been fun. I just, it's when it's in your blood, you just can't get it out. Yeah. How's it been going back to work, um, on your own now? I mean, do you, have you had challenges drumming up business? Um, and I, why, why no. drywall? Why not stucco in Montrose or whatever? Um, I well, the stucco I do want to do the stucco, but the only problem with doing the stucco is is this stuff is seasonal here, and I and oh, I'm yeah. getting old, and I'm like I really don't want to tent in the wintertime. You know, right, I want to do right. maybe one to three seasons, maybe spring, fall, 
maybe not even do fall because you can't you can't catch it in time and you got to start tenting. Yeah, By yeah. Spring, you can be going. Hey, let's wait two or three weeks and turn around and let's wait two or three weeks and let's start your project. And if when you're listening, if you're listening, we're talking about temperature in Montrose, Colorado. We're talking about extreme cold, like where the snow comes in and it's like, you know, for, for products to go off properly, they have to be heated. The tent is an enclosure around the structure that enables the stucco guys to do their job in the winter when Correct. it's ridiculously cold. I like drywall in Crested Butte because it was like, we're indoors. There's got to be heat. That's like in the contract, you know? So we were always warm in the summer. You're always cool. Because yeah. you're out, you're out of the sun, you know. Telluride's that way. That's why I like. Telluride. Yeah. I didn't like. I don't like driving the 65 miles every day one way, and it was just like, ah, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this. No yeah. More. So you're driving from Montrose to Telluride? Yes, every day. Oh yes. my God. 100, and... 130 miles a day, five days a week. Ooh, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get. It's hard to get a full day in. You know, it's hard to get to wrap your brain around it when you're going like, okay, uh, I wake up at a certain amount of time in the morning. Uh, I cut my gym time out. I can't go to the gym. You know, I, the only way I can go to the gym is if I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, go to the gym and then turn around and I got to be on the road by six. But, and it makes it hard because by the time yeah. you get to the job and you only want to work six hours a day and people are like, man, you're only working six hours a day. It's like you, you drive you drive 15 hours a week and you tell yeah. me if you like it or not. So Well, and if you're listening to Colorado's kind of that way, I worked with dudes that lived in between Gunnison and Montrose and they would drive like an hour every day to Crested Butte to work one way. And that's just kind of the way Colorado is. There's a lot of like yes. distance, you know, and, and I mean, the, the, there wasn't a drywall supply yard in Gunnison. So you would have to go and get your materials from Montrose. Now I there do is believe now. The drywall supply yard has a, has a location in Gunnison, which is nice for the Colorado for the Crested Butte dudes. Um, you know, but the Colorado is just kind of that way. You know, challenging, challenging to work in. You know, yeah, which, unless you're like me, you lived in Col uh, Crested Butte, worked for a company in Crested Butte, and that was still sporadic. You know, this was nineteen, twenty years ago. You know, yeah, that's. And and that's the thing, but you know, I, I, I Crested Butte is a cool area. It's just yeah. one of those areas that's just Crested Butte reminds me of Uray in a way, like Uray. Yeah. yeah. Um, Telluride is is a, is a different animal. I mean, that's yeah. You're you're, you're dealing with uh, there's very few farm between like down to earth people in Telluride. Right. You know, right. Have those houses up on the ski runs and they're like, oh, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. They're, they, I'm not saying they don't exist, but they're no. far in between. Um, yeah. And we're, we're talking about the word, I think, is aspenization. They're, 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 uh, these ski towns in Colorado that have become uh, commercialized Aspen, Breckenridge, uh, all in Vail. You know, in the, in the early 90s, I, uh, or mid 90s, I lived in Silverthorne for a year. And I worked all through Frisco, Dillon, uh, okay. Breckenridge, Copper Mountain. I worked in Vail, nice. uh, Beaver Creek. I worked in all those areas. And um, it, it was cool because I was younger and I got to experience it. But if I was to do it now, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even choose to do it. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do it. That's, there's no okay. way I'm not doing it. But uh, Well, but oddly enough... Areas. 
uh, Eagle Out West Drywall Supply in Eagle. Yep. And uh, Glenwood Springs has been doing well with Fresco because of the Aspen Vale. Those markets, uh, you know, these old salty plaster guys. I went up and did a training in Glenwood Springs. And there was 30 people there. And, you know, we have projects in Aspen I, now. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think that's the problem with, uh, and I'm not trying to say this in a bad way, or but that's the problem with Telluride because it's such a tight-knit, you know. And that's where I got broke into in plaster was Telluride. Okay. And uh, it, it's tough, man. It's These guys do not want to conform to any way. They just they want to keep what they're doing, doing. They don't want to change. They don't want to evolve. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and I'm more of the younger generation of, of plaster guys that uh, that are doing it now. And I, I don't mean to be messed up or nothing. It's like, why wouldn't you want to like put more things, notches on your belt to learn and to have? Sure. If you wanted to go to so, – so these guys will stay and, like you said, these guys will go up and work up there for six months, seven months, turn around, have no plaster work, and just sit on their hands. Yeah. The way I think is I, I want to stay consistent. I want to keep going. I'm going to learn me something else because if that dies out, I can go down into Montrose and I can do, I can go push Fresco. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's For, what I'm getting ready to do. That's what I want to do. You know? Yeah. Just it. even just people that want their existing painted texture covered up, covered you know, up. or, you know, if you're doing remodel work, you can be like, Hey man, well, you know, have you considered Fresco show them a sample and go from there, you know, and a color chart. And, you know, I, I think part of the challenge is that the newness, you know, you'd think that it's, you know, easy to push a new product that's, that's proven and works, but like a lot of people, Oh, you know, they haven't done it. They haven't seen mm -hmm. it. The builders haven't seen it, you know? And so there's a challenge there, um, oddly enough, but, uh, it's there, you know, it's up to the drywall guy to really push it, you know, and the, you know, you know, Nick Boyd at the supply yard, he's a, he's a fan, but you know, those drywall guys got to push it to their builders. You know, you've got to sell it. I, I do it in Albuquerque because I cut my teeth many years, just selling it and selling it and selling it. And now I'm the fresco guy in Albuquerque. See, you make a, you make a perfect point. Now me going back on my own, a lot of, if you work for some of these companies, these, some of these companies, you gotta, you gotta use the product that they want to use sure. and they're not selling this stuff. Another thing is, is if you turn around and see, I paint also and okay. I can, I can give them an option. There you if go. They, they say, Hey John, I want you to come hang, hang tape texture and paint. I'm like, hold on a second. What if I show you this product and this is what you want to do. And that's what I hope that I'm able to do and push this. Cause I used to do it with diamond with veneer when I had my, right. I think I could push it now with this stuff. And it's sure. It's just, I got my son, my, my son's only been, um, he's been doing this for what, for five or six months now. He's walking around on, on, on stilts, hawk and trowel. There you go. Lids, yeah. You know, and, and, and he's loving it, you know, and he's like, dad, let's, let's get more fresco. Well, jobs. there was a job, just 5,000 square foot house, this massive house in Albuquerque. I knew the guy, I had done a plaster patch for him, a small plaster patch, 500 bucks. He was happy with it. Got lots of money. Um, he's building this beautiful home and he's like, Hey, I want some accent walls. 
uh, a friend of mine referred me and I went in and, you know, I'm selling the product, but we also do the service too. And I'm like, well, I'll charge you a premium. We're 450 a square foot. And, you know, I have a $1,600 minimum, you know, I'll come in and do accent walls for you all day. But, mm -hmm. you know, teach a man to fish. I was like, you could take this product and you show your you could show the drywall guys how to do it and they happen to be interested the guys bought over 45 color packs now he's like awesome. you know, eight gallons deep and those guys are doing it and i'll walk into the job and he's kind of nitpicking and stuff and wondering about certain things and i'm like look at this house this looks like venetian plaster i mean these guys yeah. knocked it out of the park it looks phenomenal it looks like high-end Venetian plaster. They even figured out a way to do the outside because on outside corners can be tricky because the metal flashes. You have to build Correct. them up. They're using an outside corner tool and floating all of the outside corners preliminary. And That's then how I do it. They're floating, the, they're floating the inside corners too. That never even occurred to me. We, yeah, I that's, well, that's that's the process of interior plaster. Also, even when you do bullnose or everything. Okay, all corners, right. You you run everything first. Your corners that makes sense. Your bullnose and build those corners up. And then you come into it and build it. And then you don't have any mishaps with the uh, with the corners. Right. So then, right. Yep. Right. Yep. There's some. And a lot of times, there. what we did with with that plaster is too is we uh we would turn around and like whatever uh, color we were using, we would go get like a pint paint and turn around and paint the corners just in case they did come, you know, where you didn't put enough mud on there or whatever. Sure. And then you can turn around and then you just, then we would corner tool it, do what we had to do and then move on. But yeah, yeah that, that works. My fresco too. Is like that, that works too. Or like we'll do the fresco harmony, build up the corners and then like maybe the little bit of metal will flash and you can go back and like just touch it up with a match. Paint. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that too. I mean, that's, that's like plaster too. I mean, it, it, you know, and I'm not trying to be messed up to the homeowners and or like GCs or superintendents. If they get this product, this is an, an imperfect product. This isn't yeah. level five paint. You know, I right. tell everybody that. I'm like, if you want an imperfect product, do level five, no texture, and paint it. Right. That's the effort. That's the only way you're going to get something within 95.9 or nine. Well, it, if the drywaller is good, good. Yeah. You, can, <laughs> you could get, you could get some level five and say, Oh yeah, it's ready, but it's only ready for wallpaper. So no, I right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. now stop me if I'm wrong. The numbers that I've ran, you know, doing hang finish fresco harmony versus hang finish paint and texture. I'm right around, 20% to 30% over the paint and texture cost. Like, am I, am it, I, am I out of line there? Is it, would no, you say that's no, accurate? No, no, because that's, that's right. Because, and I always tell the homeowner or the GC is like, Hey, you're going to have to, if you want that, you're going to, that's what happens is you're about that percentage and you're going to have to eat the painting of the doors and the painting of the jams case and base. That's yep. what you're going to be out of. And I'll even and I, say like, you know, you run texture in like your closets and pantry too. Correct. You can texture those and paint them. No big deal. And sometimes those are easier to paint because they'll put the cat, the, the shelving and cabinetry systems in the pantry closets first, and then they'll first. shoot the whole thing. Correct. And that's super efficient. So you could have the painter do that. And the painter might get pissed off because he's they losing do. out. He's losing out, you know, but, who gives a shit about the painter, right? You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, 
it's perfect because I'm the painter sometimes too. So right. it's like done. It's like, yeah. It's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want a fresco or do you want a plaster? What do you want to do? And then I try to not tell, try to get people into doing plaster because it holds me on a job for so long. Okay. And I stay there for so long when I'm, when you run plaster and people don't like I was saying before, they just, it's like, it just takes so long to do when you're doing plaster compared to like, if you were to hand texture or do fresco and then you're cutting out the paint. Right. So now yeah. where's your price point on like a plaster that you do versus fresco harmony? You're coming in like half the price or is it hard to decipher because you're wrapping in the paint cost so, and the texture cost? So I, I imagine it's just, it's the same way with you as I go by ceiling height and detail also. Okay. You know, if something's like really high and then I have to do something that is like a bunch of detail or if it's a ceiling, a tray ceiling or something, then I have to charge accordingly. Um, I'm, around, I'm around, if I was to do in Montrose, because your market, it seems like your market in, in Albuquerque is a little about the same as Montrose, maybe a little bit better. I'm assuming it's pretty depressed down here, but it, it, it is it, Montrose it, too. It, it, Montrose is too. It's about, like I said, it's about the same. Um, okay. I, I would say if you were around to bid something at 450 a square foot, you could still do diamond veneer at 450 a foot. Okay. You know? um, I'm on the high end of fresco because that's all I do. Are you, you're saying hang tape, tech, hang tape and fresco? Absolutely. Now, if I was hang, finish, and fresco harmony for a 5,000 square foot house and I can double my profit margin, I might be 450 at that price point as well. So, but if I'm just doing fresco and I'm doing a small amount or a room or whatever, I'm coming into an existing house, I'm still at 450. But you know, Nick, that's 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 a real good price point because if you're not second, are you second coating? Are you going full second coat? Yeah, um, you can tape two coat, definitely two coat the corner bead, um, you know, but no sanding and then no texture and no paint. And the, I was gonna say no texture, no paint, and no sanding. I mean, you're you're right there, you know. And yeah. and I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to tell anybody this, but sure. Um, I I've I've taped and one coated fresco before and put yeah. two coats of fresco on, and it's flat. I have too, and but, and but not the corner bead on your butts and bands. I had a job, and I've I've mentioned it before, where we did a ceiling, and the drywall guys, you know, because we don't do drywall guy, you know, we're prima donnas, just me and Jack. Mm -hmm. uh, we just, you know, we're the specialty fresco guys coming in, you know, after the drywall. They were dragging their feet. They had put one coat on with the box. Looked super ugly. Um, you know, just one coat down either side of the butts. Mm -hmm. with the box mm -hmm. you got christmas trees the whole works the flag saluting the flag <laughs> i blew it i blew it out with fresco on a lit ceiling couldn't see shit gone everything you know yeah i mean and, and ceilings you, yeah i think ceilings you can, but like you said metal too sometimes that metal's deep it's just the way the framing is you know and you do have to fill it twice and then you know run yeah. your two fresco but like you said on the ceiling and stuff, oh yeah, you could definitely get away. I know you could get away with it. I've done it before. Yeah. It looks yeah. It looks good, man. It looks really it looks, good. It looks fine. Yeah. So you're yep. saving a ton of time with and no sanding. You're saving a ton of time on the finish. Um, you know, that's an interesting price point. It's an interesting 
proposition. And what we're talking about really is a new way of do, looking at drywall, looking at walls. It's not smooth. It's imperfect smooth. You know, if you shine a light down, it, there's undulations, but they're consistent. And it doesn't look as ugly as a skip trowel or an orange peel. And even for the smooth wall guys up in Canada and mm -hmm. beyond the mm -hmm. East coast, they just do smooth finish. They've got to wrap their brain around. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfectly smooth. And, 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 that, and like I was saying, that just goes back to doing like level five or plaster. I mean, how long do you want to stay on one job doing that finish when you can do this finish and it still comes out good. It still looks good. You know, if you're from back yeah. east and you, and you want smooth wall, you want level five, then they're stuck in it. That's that's what they'll get. That's what they want. But this it blows me. It blows me away. And they don't really understand texture. But why is like ugly ass brocade finish on a ceiling? OK, but then like I'll get pushed back from like a slightly imperfect fresco harmony finish. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, why is this okay? This sh ugly ass finish, and then, but this one you're going to challenge me on. I you think. I, I well, you know, I've seen that before. I've been like slap brush. I like yeah, like saying I that that stuff has been around since like the late '60s and the '70s, and and I I haven't done one probably like in maybe 12, 13 years, and now it's it's starting to make a comeback, and I'm going like, why? I mean, yeah, I I see it on drywall stuff now, and I'm like why would you even want that in your house? You know, it's, but at the same time, I've, I've done a hand texture with the fresco too. I mean, sure. it looks good. It looks good. I mean, you, you could, I do it with cat faces here and there where it looks like, yep. Hey, this is dimes here and there's a little bit of texture here and you know, you get more modeling. And then when you go to put the, the clear coat, the, the coat, the clear coat over it, the, the gloss, it looks yep. good. And it's just, there's a dude, there's a dude from Idaho that, uh, does, you know, all of his fresco harmony is like, you know, he's like doing like a skip trial on the first coat. And then he's doing like a, you know, he's just got his own way. And it, he, the, he says the clients like that better than the way that I do it, you know? And, I've just figured out a way that kind of works, heavy base coat, tight second coat, seal it. But that is not like, there, there's so many ways to skin a cat here, to use the cat and, face and analogy. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but that's the only, that's always the thing. And you know, like I said, you get on the internet and you see these guys on here and you're like, oh, I, I do this better than you, or this is better than you. And it's like, yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I've worked with hundreds of drywallers, you know, over yeah. the course of being on like commercial jobs and stuff on hospitals and, and prisons and stuff like that. And these guys have a lot to offer. There's, there's a lot to offer from learning from somebody that I, I had already like 10 or 12 years in the trade. And I was learning from a guy that had maybe four years in the trade. And I learned something off of him that I've never okay. seen before that he learned from somebody you know, back East that was oh, yeah. a hand finisher. And I'm, I was broken in as, you know, learning, you learn the hand, the pans are nice first, but I was always around, we were around tools all the time. Yeah. So it was, it was a different, it was a cool thing to learn from a hand finisher. And I'm like, there's a lot of things that people have to offer and you're doubting them because it's not the way that you do it. Everybody's a sponge, man. They learn this stuff. This stuff is cool. I mean, if you're if you're banging on somebody all the time, that's bad. 
The another, like I said, the other thing, the bad thing is though, is these guys get on YouTube and they teach these homeowners how to do this stuff. And this is not the way it's just, it's not the way. And then they have guys like us come in and they're wondering why, why is it, why is this blistered? Why is it costing so much? Well, you got blisters anywhere, any, everywhere. You got shiners on your corner bead, your corner bead yeah. twisted, yeah. you know? Uh, well, he told me that's the way it's supposed to look. Well, that it's not supposed to look that way. And then these guys yeah. are making YouTube videos and then they're having millions of likes and you're going, where is the guy that's actually doing this stuff halfway right? And yeah. then those are the guys that get on there and say, and they're going to get no likes, no nothing because Joe Schmo's doing it this way. Yeah. He's saying some funny stuff in there and then he's getting likes. <laughs> when I saw your YouTube videos, I'm like, man, I got to check this guy out. Cause I saw it, it came across my feed, Fresco Harmony. And I'm like, interesting. It was, I'm like, what is this stuff? This is, this is like, and I've, Nick, I've tried for years to put pigment in. Mud, sure, sure. Well, and it never worked. This is interesting, it, though. Why, uh, like, what? Because, I mean, you know, you get people too. Oh, he's just dumping color into mud. I mean, yes, that's part of it. Part but of there's it. a there's a lot more to it that I had to figure out. You know, through trial and error, lots of lots of failures and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. What happened? Why do you think that you trying to put color into mud didn't work? What were the reasons? I was so I would I was trying to put the straight wheel. I would have vials left over from interior plaster jobs. Okay. And I would like try to do the same thing. Instead of putting the pigment into the the bucket, I was trying to do the same thing with the water thing, like I did with plaster. Okay. I would try to put that in a five gallon bucket of water, put it in there, box it up, and then start putting my my color in there and mix it up with the water. And my colors would never get dark. It would be like a hint, sure. a hint of color in okay. white drywall mud, you know. So it was. Did you ever use paint? Did you ever like try? I using... did. I yeah. did. I've used paint. We've used paint one time, and it was. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't it, work. It was a mess. <laughs> it, it was a mess. <laughs> yeah. it, lo it looked like garbage, man. It was like, you know. And I, I, I showed the, the thing to the lady before, and we're like putting the pigment in, and then we would get it where we, like you guys do, we put it in the hawk. We put the pigment in the hawk and the drywall money. We'll just try to mix it up just a little bit and then smear it on the wall. And it's like, oh man, it's going to get that effect. It never did. It was like, it was streaky. And then it was like really dark. It looked like an ice cream sundae is what it looked like. It didn't so look why right. do you think, why do you think for you that the fresco worked just. I, I always, I'm the type of guy that's always thinking about like, what can I do to be real cool, a product to be real cool and put it on the wall Sure. and get it done at a certain time where I can get this done, this amount of footage done, doing this and not, um, how would I say it? And not being on there too long and turning around and trying to get onto the next job. Okay. Fresco does that. Fresco is combining all this stuff because plaster, you just, you, you can't do it with plaster. You can't. You're on right. a project for at least three to four weeks. And if sometimes you're on a project for, I've been on plaster projects six to eight months right. on big, huge jobs. So would you, you, would you say the color chart is extremely helpful? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's spot on. It's, it, 
that takes sort like, of that takes some of the headache out. It's like here, yeah, it's choose, choose a color. <laughs> and I tell people that and they ask, that's the first thing they ask me, this is in the drywall mud. Is it, is the color going to be the same? I'm like, yeah, whatever you see right there is pretty much your, and I tell people this though, too. I said, Hey, you got to understand something. Your lighting is everything. Yeah. When something's not monotone, it's a big, huge mood ring. You're getting different colors, different shades. If you have dimmers on your lights, this stuff is going to be different colors all yeah. parts of the times of the day. Well, and like in nine- in my contract, I put, uh, you know, there might be slight, you know, uh, variation from sample to surface based on lighting, other colors present. People will be judging the wall and you've got gray floors all over, just concrete. Flooring hasn't gone in yet. And they're judging the color on all the wall. I'm like, look at all of the reflection you're getting off of the gray floor. So oh, other colors it. present, applicator and um, lighting. Yes. So when you're Correct. getting light, lighting pouring in your house, you're going to have these variables from sample to surface. But I also put, however, we will do everything possible to ensure a consistent transition from sample to surface. Some of that coddling with the client is very challenging. Choosing colors, drywall guys don't have to do that. They just do drywall. They don't have to get into the, you know, so that's a new aspect. That's a good, that's a good idea. I've never done that. I've always thought of it in the back of my mind, but I never thought of it about putting it into a contract and make it. It's a simple, it's on my, it's on my invoice. It's just a simple thing. You sign it. It's like, Hey, you know, this is going to look the way it looks. We're going to make it, you know, I'll hold the sample up to the wall at the end. And if it looks like the sample, well, then we're on the same page. You know, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee that you're going to like it. You know, there's no guarantee. <laughs> this yeah. is art. I mean, you know and, what I mean? And I try to tell people too, they always like, well, can you put it on a sample on a, on a board? I said, I, and this is what I've learned doing plaster. I've always put like, I'll pick up a, a good sized closet on the back of the wall. And I'll go in and I'll put the sample on the back of a closet wall. Okay. Or somewhere because it's big. Then, because, you know, you've seen it before. You've probably seen it with texture. Why don't this look like this over here like you showed me on this two-by-two, three-by-three. Sure. Plastic or texture sample. And it's – sure. The motion's different. You know, you're going to get different motions. Well, and also going from a small, like our sample boards are 16 by 21, going from that to, a, you know, a 40 foot by 20 foot wall. is a di- That's a different animal, you yep. know, and it might look subtle on a sample, but when you get it to an enormous wall, you're going to have plenty of color variation. <laughs> like, you yep. know, you don't want that little sample to be so busy because when it translates to a larger area, you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is a lot. You don't want for the walls to take over the 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 house, you know. You want for them to be a, this beautiful backdrop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do tell I do tell everybody though, Nick, it's the most footage in the house is your walls and ceiling. Make yep. them, you yeah. know. And I, I I see these people, they're like, oh, I'm gonna paint the wall uh, flat, flat white. Yeah. And I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do white over here, and it's like, don't you want to liven it up a little bit? I mean. It's they, they just they go in and they're like, oh, this is what I want. It's I want it to be all white, you know, yeah. smooth. And it's like, man, just put some color in here, put some life in here. And that yeah. stuff, Presco, it, it just does that. 
Yeah, it's simple. It's simple to sell an accent wall. Um, This is a fantastic conversation. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of the interviews that I do, we don't talk a lot about fresco, but you're you with your plaster background. It's just so fascinating to sort of dive in. I'm you know, I'm. I'm not even really biased. I mean, I use Fresco just because it's efficient and it's cost effective and it's what I've, it's the only thing that I've done, you know, um, I'm selling it. So that's what I use, uh, you know, but th- having the plaster background is fantastic. It's, it's great to talk to somebody who's sort of done both and is open to sort of different possibilities. Somebody wants Venetian plaster. You can do it. You also show them a sample of Fresco. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it's half the price. They can they can judge for themselves and go and go ahead with it. But you're offering whatever they want. You know, mm-hmm. it's just another feather in your cap. It's pretty cool. Um, and you have a sweet color, Galtiero steel, which is extremely popular now. I don't know how that happened, but like it's a very popular color. It's a cool color. Um, we did it in uh, Columbia up at Columbia headquarters. We did uh-huh. Galtiero steel in their uh, in their conference room. Uh, they love it. Uh, so, uh, Chad Hesher out of, uh, out of, um, Ohio, he's, uh, he's geared up to do two back-to-back Galtiero steel projects. Um, awesome. so the colors actually really gained, uh, uh, itchy man cam has used it. Um, you know, so it's gaining in popularity. It's a great color. It's, it's really fun to name colors. You know, when somebody comes to me with a custom color, it's fun to name the color after the person. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like something special that, that, that we've, you know, that I've done for many years, even the signature color series is all based after clients that have Fresco Harmony in their home. Um, one thing I ask all of the interviewees is a pearl of wisdom that you could bestow upon the drywall community. What would that be? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. What would that be? You know what? (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. And everybody says, Oh, when somebody says that, be honest, you know, I wish we could get more young people to do this trade and maybe like even have trade schools so they can, we can learn how to do this stuff. Right. And do it where drywallers get such a bad name. Yeah. And it's just, I, I, I love the trade. Uh, I've tried to get away from it. It's given me major anxiety before. Yeah. Um, man, all I can say is, man, if you're a drywaller out there, just keep, just keep putting the mud to the wall, man. And just, just show everybody what you can do because drywallers are, like I said, drywallers are unique bunch of individuals. And that's what we are as individuals. Everybody's yeah. not, everybody has different ways to how to do this stuff, you know? And if we yeah. all get together, like on forums like this and kind of yeah. like, and hey, let's, Let's see what you do. Let's see what he does. Let's see what I yeah. do. And we can all get together and kind of put our brains together. There's really nothing a drywaller can't do. So. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I lost your audio, dude. <laughs> what happened? I have no clue. That's so weird. You went all this time and nothing happened, but we got towards the end and it did it. So. I know. I know. You were. It's time to go. You were just at the tail end of your pearl of wisdom. But anyways, I wanted to call you uh, back on the phone so that we could at least say goodbye. Thank you so much for being on the drywall podcast today, man. It was awesome. Man, Nick, I appreciate it, man. I had a good, I had a great time. And I like maybe in a year or so, six months, I could do it again. Yeah, well, I mean, we just went to Montrose. Uh, I hung out with uh, It's Cali. 
uh, super cool guy, Ernesto, uh, really yep. cool dude. Um, he d- did some walls and his thing, his guys were stucco guys. They were like all over it, man. So you might have a little bit of competition there. I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I was like competition. It's never well, and the, they're cool dudes. If you haven't met him, uh, I actually, I actually worked with a couple of those guys okay. uh, on jobs, like maybe two or three months ago. Okay. I with a couple of those guys that work for those guys. So okay. they They're, work with us for a little bit. So he's yeah. a super cool dude. Cool guys, we hung out with uh with Nick, you know, from the drywall supply yard. Great guy, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, cool, man. Uh next time we're uh I'm in Montrose. I mean, you guys are only six hours, I think six hours away from me here. So and also if you ever want to come down and do uh fresco harmony training, um Come, come on, man! You know, just come down, hang out. Hell yeah, we're we're doing jobs all the time, even if it's like you know a friend's wall or a house or something, or you know the place where I'm staying or what. There's always jobs to do down here, man. So uh, set it up and come down, and we'll hang out. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate that, Nick. That'd be great. All right, buddy. I can't believe this audio. What in the world? But uh, hey, it was awesome, man. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Hey, thank you, Nick. Have a great night. Be All right, safe. you too, buddy. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Special thanks to John Galtiero of Creative Wall Finishes for being with us on the Drywall Podcast today. I appreciate your time. Such a cool conversation. Guests of the Drywall Podcast will receive a sweet swag bucket from our friends up north at CSR. CSR supplying all of your drywall needs in Canada and beyond. Check them out at csrbuilding.com for more information. If you'd like to be a guest of the Drywall Podcast, it's as easy as emailing me at info at frescoharmony.com. Call me up. Let's chat. Let's talk some drywall. I would love to hear from you the drywall podcast in the month of august and a little beyond was brought to you by the drywall supply yard in montrose colorado also supplying your drywall needs and they may have a little bit of fresco harmony if you go and check them out thank you so much for joining me on the drywall podcast today i hope all of you have an amazing friday and remember Keep drywalling.